today. I am here to give you the assurance that I have not forgotten you. If we want to see the new evangelization become more than just jargon, if we want to see it grow legs and gain traction and change the world, we have got to take seriously our responsibilities as husbands and fathers and especially as sons of God. I want to propose to you then that something that our world is desperately in need of in the midst of this crisis is Catholic Christian masculinity. If you want to be a good father, then bring your children to confession with you. I can't get there unless I become a man of ascesis, a man of asceticism, a man of training. A man not doing penance, a man not disciplined, he's not a man. You guys have upped your game. You know what, guys, I gotta say, I, I love this the concept of man show. Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team at the winning side, so raise your glass. Adam Minahan here, sitting in studio with the David Niles. We have Sir Juan Posada, El Producer of the Catholic Man Show. We have Jim Spencer back. Last week, he did not show up. Luckily, nobody broke in, even though Dave told everybody that we did not have our bodyguard with us. Uh, no one broke in. Everything went went okay. Which is only by the grace of God that we, our lives were spared. Yes. But luckily, he is back. Jim Spencer, the bodyguard, the logistics manager of the Catholic Man Show. El, El Jim. And that's it. That's, a, the, that's, that's all the, only, the people that we have All the people today. here in the studio. This is, that was... Nobody else That was here. the litany of people. Except we do have the host of the biggest Catholic radio show in the world with us, Cy Kellett. Cy, thanks for coming out, well, coming over, hanging out with us. Me. Oh, I just unplugged my. Um, Did you unplug audio. your your yeah. your well, audio? Unplugged my earphone as I said hello. That's you got you got so excited. You said biggest Catholic radio uh, program in the world, but I don't know if you know this, but we're only number three in Japan. Only three in yeah, Japan. Yeah, you're gonna have Uh-oh. to help me with that. I can uh, still hear you, though. Okay, you, good. You sound... With your regular We ears. actually sound better muffled, huh? With my, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, but... Uh, oh, we're back. And we're oh, back. That's that nice, too, That was huh? such an unprofessional opening. Well, that was so unprofessional. Well... I feel happens. like you guys are not comforting me at all. <laughs> like, like I mean, I'm, going, yeah. I'm kind of Sorry. throwing that out there. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Cy, si, it's so good to have you back uh, in in the studio. It's great to have you here in Tulsa again. In town, yeah, yeah. I, it's very very nice to be back. the The studio is really really good now. You guys, thank, are, thank it you. It gets better and better all the time. As a matter of fact, it looks a lot like the Catholic Answer Studio now. Hmm. 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 I wonder which hmm. came first. Hmm. I don't know. I know. I wonder who thought of this. I'm really glad we stole every idea that you did. <laughs> I, I feel really good about that. Oh, man. But, you know, hey, if you guys can take a little bit of what we've done and, and make it even better, that's, that's good with me. 
I'm good with it. Yes, I well, I we haven't made it any better. We've made it exactly <laughs> the same. But but, but if, thanks. If Jesus is cool with it, so am I. Okay. Yeah. Is he cool? I don't know. Yeah, all right. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't know. I mean, you're 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 the author of the book. Oh yeah, a teacher of strange things. Who Jesus was, what he taught, and why people still follow him. On sale, two copies uh, for the price of one right now at shop.catholic.com. Ooh. Which is not part of the title, actually. I'm just required by the people at Catholic. It would be a funny subtitle. To say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be. There it so is. So the sequel that. is it going to be teacher of stranger things and like maybe that could like, do a tie-in. Like rise to number one bestseller just because people yeah. think it's about some television show. Yes, I've never Thank even you, seen that television show. I, I watched the first season, maybe the first two seasons. so good and that, why did you name your book after it? But no, the idea is that um, Jesus doesn't just um, teach us a, a way of uh, living morally. As a matter of fact, many of his moral teachings are quite common, uh, but he teaches us a, a sacramental life of intimacy with God mm-hmm. and that these sacraments are strange and the, and the things that Jesus invites us to are strange. And if you're not ready for that, I don't think you're ready for the real Jesus. Yeah. I don't think you guys listened to any of that because you were getting I did. coffee. I did. Coffee I did listen. fascinates you men more a, than I am, anything. I am a, the, what, what you said I'm there, a, it reminds me of a line from the, the, the movie A Hidden Life. Have you seen that movie yet, Adam? No. I haven't seen it, and I've been I told. Feel I feel like can. I have told you at You're least a right. hundred times to see it. And I feel like I've even convinced you that you to should see it. See you it. have. Yeah. You have. I do want to see it. Um, so there's a scene where there's this guy, he's painting. And he he basically says like I paint uh, a mild Jesus like a nice Jesus. Someday maybe I'll have the courage to paint the real Jesus. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know like yeah. yeah. I paint the Jesus people want to see. Yeah, you know, and because that's what they that's what they pay me to come do. But yeah, someday hopefully I can have the chance have to, the paint, to, have to paint to paint the re- a real Jesus. The, the thing is though, I think when people hear that. Uh, often our mind goes to immediately that's because or the reason that the real Jesus is actually a very challenging Jesus is that he's more morally challenging than you have the guts to but there's actually a lot of people who are willing to embrace the moral challenges many many of our protestant brothers and sisters are better at it than than I was going to say than we are, but then, then you are is what I really meant. Right. And the, <laughs> but but it's the courage to follow him into the sacramental life yeah. is the. Mm-hmm. It's frightening that a man says to you, "Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood," you know, like that's frightening. Yeah, that is you, that is strange. When you actually encounter the strangeness of that, what is that about? Why is he inviting me into that? And that so. I think sometimes we get too caught up in the fact that, well, Jesus is more morally challenging than your nice Jesus. Well, yes, that's true. But he's challenging on a, a whole different level as well. That this, If you think that the journey from where you are to a life of intimacy with God is one that does not lead you through things that are strange and difficult, mm-hmm. and then you can't make the journey. You, like. He tells you what the journey requires. Yeah. Or, and, and so I, I don't, because I, I think a lot of people are up for, uh, maybe not up for in the sense of they can do it, but in the sense that they want to be morally great. Mm-hmm. But there's something also about being sacramentally docile that I think is the real challenge of Jesus. Do you trust me enough 
to accept this sacramental way of life in which you become me, but when you become me, you become yourself, you know, like more fully you, like you're you, that's how you get to be you. Uh, If you're not up for that, well, Christ reveals man to himself and makes his supreme calling clear. Boy, you sound like a very great saint. Yeah. That I, I I feel like when I say those words, I feel like you feel like a saint. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, you look like a great saint. Well, let's yeah. not go that far. <laughs> well, <laughs> out by outward appearance. You, what he means is like you look like you've adopted a lot of ascetical practices. <laughs> yeah. like, right. Some that are not so good for your health. Are you smearing something on your face? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Here? I can't yeah. really tell what that is. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like I know what you mean because uh, Jesus in the moral life. It, when I was younger. And when I was brand new, really, in the moral life, coming out of college, you know, I had a, a reconversion. Thank, thanks to me, really. Committed myself. Good for you. Nice yeah. work. He was yeah. involved. He was involved. Yeah. Really. I mean, uh, Jesus. Adam, I'm trying, to t- I'm trying to tell a story over here. Oh, okay? no. Welcome to my world where I'm trying to tell a story and you interrupt every <laughs> couple seconds. But I have interesting <laughs> things to say. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so. Oh, I also wanted to tell you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Were you about to? That was it, actually. That was <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, you know, I had this notion that oh, the whole the moral life means rooting out mortal sin from my life. You know, if I can stop, yes. if I can just get mortal sin out, right. I'll have. Well, I mean, what else is there to do? I'm I'm going to heaven. Yeah. You know, and you know that's actually true. If you can stop <laughs> mortally sinning, and you remain in a state of grace, you are going to heaven. But that's not the moral life. That's not the interior life. Uh, that type of attitude. That's just like the very first step in it. And Jesus yes, actually enters right. into the very small things in life. And that's where the that's where we find the cross, I have found. It's actually not of the big things, you know, in rooting out major sin. Um, it's it's in the little things where the cross is heaviest because it's those little things that are personal to you yeah. that you act, often treasure the most, you know, or that you... Where, it's in those little ways where you're more most selfish. Yes. And so those are the ones where you have to continually, always going deeper and deeper, one by one, surrender them over and over and over again. Um, and like that's that's the challenge in the moral and it never goes away. You know, it it, no. it will be here until the day we take our last breath. Oh, Jesus, I think that when when Jesus says take up your cross each day, right. follow me. Mm-hmm. I mean that most days don't have that many interesting, you know, things that you're going to remember 40 years from now. But the question is, did you did you take up the cross that day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's and that, but that that taking up of the cross is related to faith and the life of grace. It can't just be a kind of stoic spiritual athleticism. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. the the Christian way. The Christian way is to become Christ. And mysteriously become ourselves by becoming Christ. And that's very a very strange life. That's a life where there are angels and demons around you at every moment, mm-hmm. and the things that you do that everybody who tells you don't matter do, in fact, matter a great mm-hmm. deal, um, and that m- many things have a power and a significance that you can't even guess at in this world. I, when I talk, sometimes music starts playing. Do you guys ever have that happen? I must be really this good at talking. The, this is the first time. Really? Wow. <laughs> We're here with Cy Kellett, host of the Catholic uh, Catholic Answers Live and the podcast uh, Catholic Answers Focus. 
And, yes, and is there another one? Didn't you guys just launch another uh, podcast? Well, t- Trent Horn has has his podcast, but we don't. I don't. We don't even him. like that guy. Yeah, we don't. Okay. Like, okay. We'll be right back. This segment of the Catholic Man Show is brought to you by the Catholic woodworker Jonathan Conrad focuses on equipping families for battle in the modern world. We're very excited that the Catholic Woodworker sponsors our show. Everything that they put out is top-notch. It's heirloom quality. It's handmade. Whether it's home altars, crucifixes, or rosaries, they're actually now the producer of the official rosary of the Catholic Man Show. So go check it out. Yeah, if you use TCMS for the Catholic Man Show as a promo code, you get 10% off all of your purchases. Let's him know that we sent you. He'll continue supporting the show. Go support Jonathan at thecatholicwoodworker.com. So I went, oh, this is me. I'm supposed to be, well, welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. <laughs> I was just, we were just chatting, and I was like, I'm sure someone will say something pretty soon. Oh, that's me. I need to say something. Uh, we're here with Cy Kellett, uh, having too much fun, being distracted. Yeah, if I was going to be martyred, mm. I'd want it to be a hungry lion. Oh, definitely. You do not want an right. old lion with kind of dull teeth. No. Or one that's just eaten, you know, just your, like your fellow Just kind of like snacking. No, you want a lion who's committed. Like, I am starving. Like, right oh, now. that guy like, looks good. Yeah, right. Not one that's like, eh, I could probably go for a Christian. You know, yeah, and it's like. Not one that's like, <laughs> I need me a Christian right now. It's like somebody call Uber Eats. Just like, this, this is me, you know, like where I'm, if I was back in the Coliseum, we're about to be let out, you know, where the lions are, I'd be sitting there like buttering my, like. <laughs> exactly. like are nice. you covering yourself in butter? Oh yeah, yes, I am. <laughs> Bacon grease. <laughs> like, right. I am gonna be so delicious. <laughs> Come on, Mister Life. But get it around the neck. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, bite right here. Yeah. Bite Focus right here. on vital organs, please. <laughs> yeah. Right. Where do you have the most blood flow? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Stay away from my feet. That started the... that end. I think that's a not a bad strategy. Really. Wait, this is on the air right now. This yeah. is not yeah. the behind the scenes part. This you know, not. this is why people listen to the Catholic Man Show. It's the you know, it's like. This is the the meat that people want to know. Like, what is the technique yeah. of being martyred by a lion? Exactly. Right. I think be first. We give it. Yeah. yeah. Just be first. <laughs> be first. Don't be, first. Don't be the last guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, how many lions are there? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. So um, we're talking about Jesus, kind of, and uh, we're really le- just letting the conversation flow. Um, the moral life. So, what was your? What's your? Um, like, what's your story? Did you re- did you revert? Did you have you are you cradle Catholic? Like uh, okay, both of those. Okay, and and I think uh, a lot of times uh, people's stories of reversion it seems to me uh, involve like a kind of um, frat house behavior in the early twenties, uh-huh. you know, and then and then I got serious, you know, uh, when the first kid was born or something like that, and I have some of that, but I have a very weird. I feel like my reversion story is a little weird. And it has to do with I left the Catholic faith for a different version of the Catholic faith. That Hmm. in the 80s, when I was, you know, coming of age, and then in the 90s where I was supposed to be an adult, but I hadn't quite managed it yet, there were... And it, it may still be out there in a lot of places, but I, I feel like it was more prevalent at the time that there was a kind of Catholicism that was uh, 
not the John Paul II Catholicism. John Paul, John Paul the two. That, that's the great. That's that's what I call him. Yeah, <laughs> we, were, we were really close. So I, would, I would just be like, "What's up, two? Yeah. Whenever I saw him, Deuce. but, deuces. <laughs> <laughs> Deuce. Yeah. Um, now I lost my place. Oh yes, but there was this alternate Catholicism, which was morally less, far less demanding. And was kind of social justice mm-hmm. Now that I, I'm saying this, I think this is everywhere now. I, I actually think it's still prevalent everywhere. So yeah. I went for that, you know. And so, like, there's a thing. That, it's not going to be funny when I say it. But when I say it in front of a crowd, it, it often is funny. Because I'll talk about when I went to live at the Catholic Worker House. Mm-hmm. And I, okay, so I went to live at the Catholic Worker House, you know, up up every morning. That's feed, Dorothy. Is that Dorothy, Dorothy Day? Days, yeah. yeah. Thing, okay. Feeding the homeless every morning, you know, walking the streets with the homeless mentally ill and all that kind of thing. And, and then I'll, I'll be like. Man, I was really a great guy. Like, people will be like, "What is up with this dude?" But the uh, and the but the truth is, because, and the reason I can say that is because the next point that I want to make to them is, I was not a great guy. That that life was attractive to me because it was dissolute in many ways. That the way that I I wasn't Dorothy Day. Mm-hmm. I was a young person who enjoyed certain intoxicants, enjoyed a certain loose moral life. Right, uh, and it but, allowed you to justify certain behaviors that you enjoyed thank you dr freud yeah you are exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it kind of it was like an off the hook you're an off the hook catholicism right where holiness was more uh, and, and i won't say that i wasn't trying in my own limited way to be holy like sure. I, if you had asked me at the time i'd say yeah holiness is very very important Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have said chastity is that important. I wouldn't have said sobriety is that important. I wouldn't. What are some other sins? I wouldn't have said like. Um, well, I don't want to go to, into all the sins. Right. It's but a murder. But I, <laughs> that's one. Murder. Yeah. I mean, that's not. <laughs> I was. I was never really into murder. What's, what's but the, okay. <laughs> thanks for going right for that. What's the virtue of not murdering somebody? Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is that the bird, the the there is a kind of violation of that. The the thou shalt not kill in. In egotism, in yeah. in anger at other people, you know, like when I was, I don't, you're probably not supposed to talk about political stuff, but let's just say in the '80s, I hated Ronald Reagan. I mm. hated Ronald Reagan, yeah, like because he thought uh, ketchup was a vegetable, and you know, like he, was, I was fully convinced by the what m- is it? It's not a vegetable. I mean, like, what is it? Uh, I, I think it's a. Look, I'm looking over here. It's like, like it's a fruit. Ted, so tomatoes are fruits. I mean, I know that's like. People like can. I didn't actually want to get into this okay, conversation, sorry. but no, I bad. appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> because I actually. Welcome maybe, to the Catholic Mansion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, okay, prescinding <laughs> from the whole, what is a tomato? Right, yeah. and then what is it once it's processed into ketchup? I hated Ronald Reagan because <laughs> I, I, um, I perceived this kind of capital. I, I'm an anti-capitalist. You know, uh-huh. I'm some somehow I have a a morally more complex view of the world right. than this, you know. I understand things better than you do. Stupid Ronald Reagan. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, uh, so, you know, that when you say not murder, well, there is a kind of murdering of other people when you value your opinion so much. And I realize mm-hmm. this is not actual murder, but it falls under the same kind of sin, yeah. which mm-hmm. is, I know better than other people. I'm smarter, you know, and I'm and I've got this moral superior. I'm, I'm 
the president of the United States an idiot compared to me. You know, mm-hmm. that's so all of those sins I explored and, and reveled in and didn't see that they were in conflict with the call of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I had to have a reversion from. It was not a reversion from a rejection of Jesus or even a rejection of the church, but it was certainly a, a reversion from what was a practical rejection of the authority of Jesus and the authority of the church. Mm-hmm. So that it was all pretty negotiable for me for a long time. Mm-hmm. That did not in any way prevent me from being racked by Catholic guilt constantly, you know, troubled, anxious, upset. As a matter of fact, I think those are the fruits of that way of living in in many ways. Right. But now that I'm truly holy, <laughs> sorry, no. <laughs> no. So that it's a very slow process, I think, to recover uh-huh. from that kind of. I'm Catholic, but I'm in a, in a different kind of league of Catholic, mm-hmm. you know. But that I do feel like that that happened in my life, and it does have to do. It has to do with. Uh, being married, it has to do with having children. It has to do with. Um, I worked for a very good bishop for a long time, who was quite clear about what holiness meant. As a matter of fact, I remember he told a story one time, and and I, and I was as he was telling the story, kind of having the experience of the story of. He said he was, um, you know, a, a young priest and preaching and and teaching in a certain way, and and this other priest said to him. That's great, but when are you going to take Catholic faith seriously? You know, like when are you going to, mm. you know, really just say it like it is as yeah. a Catholic priest? Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, is this a story about me, Bishop? Because like that's what I needed to hear. Uh-huh. You know? So it's that those little small, the Holy Spirit like yeah. sticking a fork in you or shepherding you or however mm-hmm. he does it. Um, so that's that's kind of my reversion. Was that the dullest reversion story you've ever? You, no. I, I feel like I might have put you to sleep with that, but no. I was actually thinking about. It's interesting how every time that people have reversion stories, it seems like something happens in their life where they it has to take them out of themselves. Oh, I had a moment like that. Really? That, I'm so happy you said that because I was actually on the street in a, a a place called the Combat Zone in Boston, which is where it was the prostitution section, and the, mm. so. Uh, and and you could buy drugs and stuff there, but were you like looking for a job or? Yeah, I was. I, I, was, <laughs> I was like, I feel like I could sell those little baggies. <laughs> that doesn't seem that hard. <laughs> um, so there's a freakishly large number of jobs associated with prostitution, and if you've never been hmm. in, really? in those neighborhoods, it's a very large. Like, there's a guy. I don't know if you know this, but there's a guy who stands on the street corner, and every time a woman gets in a car he writes down the license number of the car that's his job i did not know this yeah because so that so that uh they can find this girl if anything happens that's and this is not because out of concern for the girl this is a property it's a business yeah it's a business type of thing but so there's a lot of but i there's this young woman there and i we've been working with her she had a lot of very serious problems her her boyfriend had a lot of very serious problems but he was very abusive to her she was pregnant i think about three or four months pregnant, still working on the street, still using heroin every day. And I just went up to her to talk to her, you know, just to keep that conversation going. Maybe she'll go in. And those at that time, you know, she's pregnant. So you do, you do talk about the baby, you know, and, you know, like you say things like, you know, maybe you don't want to give up heroin, but if you take a break, 
if we if we take you into treatment and you take a break until the baby's born, that'd be good for the baby. And you think these arguments are really good. And, and I'm talking and she's listening and the car pulls up and she gets in the car, goes away. She's working like, mm-hmm. you know, this is a great conversation, but I'm working right now. So, I oh, can I finish the story? Yeah, OK, yeah. so I, I went back and I sat in the car and I, it was like a powerful something came over me where I really felt Jesus you don't have what she needs and then that which led you what do I need to have in order to have what she needs totally relying on yourself yeah Yeah. well this is Kathy Mancho here with Cy Kellett we'll be right back Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'd like to dedicate this show to my beautiful wife. It is her birthday today. Happy birthday, Haley. Happy birthday. You get her like a, a new driver for her birthday or something? A boat. A boat. That's just what she wanted. Wow, that's so nice. Yeah, fishing you. boat. Right, it's yeah. With the trailer. New truck to be yeah. able to haul the boat. It's right. got a remote control. It's real, yeah. n- it's real nice. She's so lucky. Did you get her filleting knives as well and, and some some uh, some flies? Box yeah. of ammo. Box yeah. of ammo. Oh, she's just what a she lucky wanted. woman. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right size and everything. Very thoughtful. I know. Very thoughtful. I know. Here I am. She really wanted a new pistol. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas is coming up. I got it for her. <laughs> Christmas is coming up. There's still time for the I pistol. even carry it around for her. <laughs> the worst thing on Christmas is when they open the ammo first, because they know what to yeah, Right. Ah, yeah. He's supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Rookie Come mistake. On, yeah. yeah. No, open that one first. Uh, man, so we're here with Cy Kellett, host of Catholic Answers Live. Cy, I was, I'm curious, while you're taking on these calls every day, yeah. five days a week, uh, you get a lot of interesting calls, and it kind of piggybacks off of what you were just saying earlier is that you don't have what it takes to actually convert them. No. So when you're receiving these calls and you get some crazy calls, what? How do you go about like attempting outside of just passing it off to the um, apologist? Yeah, because you know that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. uh, but how do you get to being able to? reach that person not necessarily answering the question not necessarily uh uh, trying to win the argument but try to win the person well sometimes my role is to even after the answer is given and i remember this just happened uh recently maybe a week or two ago uh a person with a, a question about hell and the then the person gets the answer from the apologist and the answer is perfectly good and solid but this is something that I I do think, like I always joke about that, you know, I don't contribute that much to the show. And I really don't. Like I'm I'm not, that's not false modesty. Like I'm not an apologist. I'm the guy that answers the phones and hands the person off and all that. But one thing I do, I, I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't say those things to, to like have a pretend modesty. It's because I know my role and I will say the things that I'm good at. And one of the things that I'm, I do have the talent for is hearing if there's a little something more there that maybe the question needed more. So I just said to the caller, is this, did you call because you're, uh, this is a, an intellectual curiosity that you have, or do you have some anxiety about this? Is there, is there some worry in it? And 
the poor man was very, very worried about two people who had just died mm-hmm. in his life. And and he wasn't sure if they were in heaven or hell. He didn't know how to know whether they were in heaven or hell. And I mean, he described them. They sounded like lovely people. I was going to be like, ah, I'm pretty sure they're in. Like, right. You're not allowed to do that. You know, like like you can't give your opinion on someone else's eternal right. salvation. Uh, you know, but it was me. I'd let him in. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that that's what I think of as answering the person and not just the question. We do have to answer the question. But the person often has needs and, uh, you know, they they framed a question to get an answer. But the thing that they need is some conversation, some assurance or some Mm -hmm. some help with, you know, this is a real problem in my life. And so I do think being attentive to that and and asking a question when it's appropriate you know, like sometimes it's it's not appropriate. But I've had people who called and asked about suicide that I felt this person is considering suicide. And I just ask them, you know, is this uh, are are you thinking about suicide? Have you do you have a you know, all the things you're supposed to say, you have a plan, you know, that kind of thing. And then we deal with it mm-hmm. because I you know, you got to kind of model that like with suicide. That's like the one of the worst things to deal with on the air is, yeah, I'm thinking about killing myself. Like it, that's very upsetting to the listener. It's upsetting yeah. to, uh, you're like you're like. You want to say, don't say the wrong thing. Yeah, you you do. You get this yeah. kind of like anxiety. Yeah, and then but then you realize, no, this person called. There's only a few things I can do, but I'm gonna do them. You know, right. like when you hang up, call nine one one. Would you like us to help you call nine one one? You know, there's help for you. We know, can conference them in for you. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, you know, so we, it's not like I'm trying to cure anybody, but I I do know the next steps, and so I'll I'll help them, but. I, I, that's one of those ones where you, mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of us, um, you know, if someone's talking about suicide and we actually feel like this is real, we might, and I might in my normal life be very shy about going, is this something you're thinking about? You know, mm-hmm. uh, but on the radio, I don't feel shy about it. I think in part because <clears throat> there's this, um, sense of obligation, you know, like to the audience, to the, to, to not take the easy way out. Right, you know? sure. Whereas in life, you might take the easy way out, and that probably wouldn't be the right thing to do. In, mm-hmm. that, in that, I don't actually remember what question I was answering now, but I, am I answering it? Or yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I get uh, my attention span is so short. We don't know anything about that on this it's show. So short. I about what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. What were we talking about? <laughs> no. That, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say that's. Yeah, I mean I, that's one of those things. It's hard to even train for. I would imagine. You know how do you how do you get ready for that other than just having done it a couple times and every person is going to be so different. Yeah. A lot of it is, it does come from, you know, the, that I don't have a great deal to do. You know, I, I don't have to, when the person says, you know, what about this stupid thing that the council of Florence said, you know, like I'm the guy who goes, there was a council in Florence. (laughs) No That's a council I'd like to go to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. That sounds nice. Yeah. In the spring? Was it in the spring? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, then, the, 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 but, you know, you turn to Jimmy or Tim, you know, they'll be like, well, that was in the third session of the Council of Florence. In the fourth session, you know, that, oh, okay. You know, but uh, so 
there's not a there lot were of four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, if there's a council in Florence, you're going to drag that right. out as long yeah. as, especially yeah. if you're from like Germany or something. Yeah. Like, is there uh, anything else we can talk about? I'm sure there is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. have we solved the Aryan thing? Right. Well, I could go back to that. You know we what? Let's be... just go over everything we talked about already. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's go over everything every other council talked about already. Uh, so I can't do all those things. I don't have that kind of memory. You know, people say, well, you, like I've had people say to me, Actually, Jimmy has said it to me, you know, like, well, you're you're smart. Like, don't act like you're not smart. I say, I don't it's not Jimmy. I'm not saying I'm not smart. I'm saying I can't remember anything mm-hmm. like I, that, that's two different things. I can solve a problem. You know, I can. I can't actually solve that many problems, but <laughs> but some <laughs> but I have solved problems before. Yeah. Yeah. It's things like I lost my keys, but the which and everyone knows the solution to that. Ask your wife. Where's my keys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I do when I lose something. Honey. Where's my keys? Yeah. Where's this whatever? It's amazing. I, oh, she, it's I, incredible that she knows yeah. every time yeah. where everything is. But then she tells me where they are, and then I'm mad at her because I think she moved them. I'm like, I didn't leave them there. Why is it, <laughs> that's not where I put yeah, them. That's not where I put them. Oh, I would not do that. Usually, <laughs> I think. So I, you think I took your keys <laughs> from where you left them? And put them somewhere else just so we would have this conversation. I think, yeah, yeah, you would, you're that kind of person. Why would I, yes, you would do that. You would. <laughs> you would. I'm, I think I've seen you do it. <laughs> right, Usually right. when I do that and Lady Pamela tells me where they are, I think, I can't believe I didn't look there before I asked. <laughs> yeah, right. Obviously, they're on the key ring where I put my keys. <laughs> yes. I'm an idiot. This is my wife's thing that she says now. Well, uh, she'll go, I'll ask her where something is. She'll go, did you look? And I'll go, yeah, I look. And she'll go, did you look or did you look? Like, because there is the kind of husband kind of looking, which is, I don't see it. Yeah, I'm hey, going to ask her. Hey, yeah. uh. Yeah. Well, yeah. My, my way of looking is verbal. <laughs> That's right. Right. Yeah. Well, I didn't open the refrigerator. I looked at the refrigerator. Then I asked you if it's in there. Right. Again, I feel like we might be digressing. Yeah. I can't remember where. Well, we're. maybe. So we're talking about evangelization. That's kind of where we've moved. And I do think I have become more and more of the opinion that evangelization almost always takes place in just one-on-one conversation that real real evangelization that like the most efficient and effective way to change someone's heart is by just being a friend and being like a regular person who's pursuing holiness and sharing the fact that this is something that's important to you and kind of like having that personal one-on-one mm. witness with them like yeah uh with you know these these huge programs that the church can put together and those have you know borne fruit in the past or more to a more or less degree but really i think small is powerful well when those programs do bear fruit it's usually because they've they're arranged in the in such a way as they're inviting people to do just exactly what you said sure you know like if you have a great catechetical program in your diocese and it's big and it's great because you train catechists to do exactly what you just talk about, not mm-hmm. because you made every fourth grader come in and you know sit and listen to this training. Right. But mm-hmm. the training sent people. You know, again, that bishop that I work for, he used to say uh, about the pastoral center, "This is a place we go forth from. This is not a place where we accomplish the mission. This is where we go forth from." Mm-hmm. So when people come here and they learn. Go forth and, mm-hmm. and do it. But I, I think that you're quite right about that. And I actually think that that's why radio is uh, a quite a powerful medium. Because in many cases, you know, say if I'm driving uh, to work and I'm listening to Rush Limbaugh, 
that's a conversation between me and Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, it does like, feel an, personal. It's a, it's an amazing thing that even if I if I was watching him on television, it would feel less intimate and it's just me and him mm-hmm. than uh, and may God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, uh, but I use Rush because he's the you know everybody knows who he's Rush the radio. Yeah, he's yeah. right. I could say some podunk. Paul Harvey. Yeah. Well, everyone knows who Paul Harvey is too. Well. Paul oh. Harvey was incredible. He, yes, was. he was. I always felt like with Paul Harvey, I got the rest of the story. Yeah. You know what I'm That's saying? the thing about him. If I was like, he always I know the told story, but well, what's the rest of the story? So. And then, yeah, it, but then he would give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> he was wonderful. Uh, so back to the actual point. But yeah, I think I do think that radio works that way. And that, that um, one of the things that's really fun for human beings, too, is to listen into other people's one-on-one I love to overhear what other people are saying. And that's essentially what radio is. Uh-huh. Overhearing, listening to somebody else. What we're doing right now. Yeah. So when we get back, I want to ask you, what are some of the keys that you think for guys to be able to evangelize, to become friends? What are some things that they need to be doing in their personal life in order to reflect that? Okay. We'll be right back. Do you feel like God is calling you to go on a pilgrimage? Well, for the last 34 years, Select International Tours has been leading pilgrimages to holy sites all over the world. And you want when you go on pilgrimages, Dave, you want to make sure you have the great the best hotels, you're touring with the best guides, and every detail has been addressed. And that's exactly what you're getting with Select International Tours. So, for more information, go to their brand new website, selectinternationaltours.com. They have been a sponsor of the Catholic Man Show for a long time now. Even during the COVID pandemic, they were still sponsoring our show. A lot of other tour companies were really shutting down. These guys were consistent. So go to selectinternationaltours.com to find out more information about all the great pilgrimages they offer all over the world. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. David Niles here with Adam Minahan, and Cy Kellett. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about conversion. Um, before the break, Adam wanted to ask you, Cy, mm. about mm, friendship. What was your question, Adam? Why don't you just ask it? I'll I knew when none of us was going to remember it. I knew it was your it was question. Oh, yeah. It's your question. Um, oh, it was, it was how, how do men prepare like themselves to be a friend? And, and, and to invite them into the friendship with Christ. Yeah. Like, what do, what do we have to do to be able to give it to somebody else? Well, that's the thing is, I, I think that's the the primary invitation of the sacramental life, that it is the sacramental life that makes you into the person who's capable of marriage, who's capable of friendship, who's capable of parenting. I mean, you can do all of those things on a natural level uh, and be sufficient in, in, in certain ways. Uh, and even and and you know when we you know at least cooperate with our nature, we give glory to God because nature gives glory to God, as Psalm nineteen tells us. But mm-hmm. but to to really do that in the way that God calls us to do, in a way that's evangelical, the, there's nothing like the sacraments. And I honestly think most Catholics don't believe in the sacraments. Like if you say to somebody. You know, let's say you say to there's some uh, somebody struggling with a, a virtue, and for now let's choose chastity, right? And there's a lot of things to do to help with the develop the virtue of chastity, but primarily, if you say 
go to confession, go weekly, go monthly, go what you know what mm-hmm. fits with as often you. as you need to. Yeah, yeah, right. Go to confession, receive the Eucharist, sit with Jesus in the Eucharist, let Him speak to your soul. You know, um, are you confirmed? If you're not, get in the class. Yeah, get do confirmed. that. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, people will think. I, I think many people think well. Because we have such a therapeutic mindset, yeah. But well, what are the things that I need to do? You know, like mm-hmm. no, those are the things that you need to do because mm-hmm. Jesus is going to do this work, or it ain't going to get done. Like right. there, there's nobody. Saint Joseph, the most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, wasn't didn't do that on his own. That's the grace of God. Mary herself, it's the grace of God, and so. This is actually the real world. The sacramental world is the real world. Now, does that mean, well, that, that I don't have to, you know, I don't know, put the software on my phone or I don't have to maybe if I, it's compulsive behavior, you know, do sit in a, a group, or, you know, a 12 step group or get psych. No, it doesn't say not to do those things. But in the end, the thing that cures you, heals you, makes you whole is the actual sacraments of Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. when you begin to believe that, I think you unleash the power of the sacraments to some degree because, you know, if you sit with Jesus in the blessed sacrament, say, I, you know, I'm going to go do a holy hour and just sit with Jesus. If you kind of have faith in that, I think that that affects not what Jesus does, but it affects your receptivity. Right. But if you have solid faith in that, like he's going to do this thing, like my marriage is a mess and I'm going to do, you know, all these things to work on my marriage. And among them, I'm going to sit with Jesus. If I go sit with Jesus and I truly have faith that he will heal my marriage, he will heal your marriage. Like he's not sitting there like, "Mm, I'm not so sure. that I don't know. No, he's giving it all. The problem is our receptivity. And I truly believe and, and I, so I want to stress this, that the primary preparation for friendship, the primary preparation for marriage, for parenthood, for, for evangelization is sacramental docility. Make yourself docile to the sacraments. Let them do the work. And it's almost weird because it's Christ doing the work in the sacraments, but he instituted them as sacraments. So we can talk about them as things in themselves and let them do their work. Yeah. I feel like I was in my late 40s when one day I realized that my confirmation, which I received at 13, had been effective. Like I realized I just I somehow it came into my mind like the, a kind of reflection on my life. And I realized, oh, my gosh, my sacrament of confirmation was working through all of that. Like mm. that, that that mark made a difference. But I went through my life not knowing it. Yeah. You know, not ever having a, a, mm. an experience at the level of my own awareness that actually that sacrament saved your life. You know, that right. sacrament mm-hmm. saved your life. And so, like, when I'm dying, I really and if I'm if I'm not awake when I'm dying, which is very likely in my case, because you know that I faint. Right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> at the moment, I would like to be anointed because I know that the power of that anointing yeah. saves me. That's my salvation. I want that anointing. I could do everything else. You know, I could dispose myself and I could say, Jesus, I, I, you know, I, I, I go ahead, let the lion eat me. And I, but that what I want the anointing, mm-hmm. you know, because I know that the sacraments have the power. I don't have that power. I can't work myself up into a frenzy of salvation. I can't right. I can't do anything but that 
that, mm-hmm. get me a priest, let him put a little something on me, mm-hmm. and I am saved. See, it's it's sometimes a hard sell for people who are going through a, you know a trial like yeah. like what you mentioned because they go to mass, they go to confession. Now, sometimes when you go to confession on the way out, you actually do feel something. Like you yeah. can tell something has happened. Unless you're like, uh, you, we all go through that period where you get out of confession and you're like. Oh, did I just sin again? I think I just sinned. Yeah, again. right. Like, Heading back you know, in. You're like, why do they let cute girls in the line for confession? I right. Just, <laughs> I'm walking out. <laughs> so, so like, but but walking out and turning right back and going right back yeah, in the but, line. But, but you shouldn't do that. No, no. But 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 when you're not in the, the throes of some kind of um, what what's the name for that? Um, scrupulosity. Right. Then yes, you do feel a tremendous relief. But so, you know, like if you're going through a trial and you go to mass, it's, it's you know. People want it to be like medicine in that I took it and then I immediately, 30 oh, minutes later, I yeah. felt the effect. Right. You know, right. that's just not the way, not the way it works because of, I think, um, our receptivity. You know, how open, how available are we really making ourselves, mm. you know, because grace builds on nature, like you said. And so, you know, if our nature, if we have mangled ourselves or whatever so that we're not of, of our vessel, if you want to think about it that way, is not capable of holding the grace that's being dumped out on you, then it's just not gonna it's not gonna work that way. No. But by by no. dumping the grace, that's going to slowly heal that vessel so that you can become some you know, someone who can receive the grace more and more and more and more. You never know what God's timing is. Yeah, right. but, but it's not your timing. So that's true. That's part a bit an important part of the faith life faith life is is Time means something different to God than it means to me. Like to me, this is absolutely urgent now. It seems somewhat ridiculous to me that you have not solved this problem for me. Mm-hmm. You know, but Paul Claudel, the great French poet, eighteen years old, walks into Notre Dame Cathedral, which the modernists have since burned down. I don't know if you know that, but I do. Uh, I don't. I don't like to blame the. Mo- yes, I do. I like to blame yeah. the modernists. I like to personally. <laughs> Big Paul, fan. So Paul Claudel walks into the cathedral, eighteen years old. Total non-believer, believes in Christ. Just walks in, believes in Christ. Uh, that happens. Yeah. That happens. Beauty yeah. beauty can reach people sometimes like that. And, and Jesus can, I mean, like, Jesus can reach anyone, anytime, anywhere. Like, Walker Percy used to have this, he used to, the, the Catholic writer, he used to like to do little quizzes. And it, there was one quiz where he, he like, lists four people and says which one is most likely to be saved. And, he, and it's like... You know, I don't know, like a lesbian woman living in San Francisco, a, a truck driver who, you know, overweight, and whatever. So he describes four people. And and then the answer is, you don't know. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. You don't know. Uh-huh. It, could, it could be anybody, anytime. All of the above, yeah. none of the above. Right. You like, know. yeah. But if you think by looking at a description on a page of another person, like, well, that one's probably good. You're an idiot. Stop yeah. it. You don't know. And so you don't know when the moment where all of the effects of the sacraments will become apparent to you. And you'll go, oh, all that. You know, I'm in my 40s. I was I was confirmed at 13 years old when I have some kind of awareness that that sacrament was really powerful in my life. And I don't know why that, you know, God let me see that for a, a moment. And I couldn't even really describe to you what the what that mm-hmm. but. Okay, but what all those other years the sacrament wasn't working? Yes, it was. It was doing its work. God will make it apparent to you when mm-hmm. he just didn't time. have the gift of clarity. He, God, yeah. 
he he was pretty clear on it the whole time. Right. I'm, I'm he just certain. didn't like want to reveal it to you yet yeah. because it they, needs to be he wants us to pursue him. You know, and if he gives true. if he gives you all the stuff, like all the all the knowledge, all like the foresight, then right. it kind of it makes it less beautiful, you know, yeah. like sort of when you t- it's like when you tell your wife you love them or your children you love them, it's more beautiful when it's a total gift that I do freely, right? Yeah. It's not like something I'm being compelled to do or I'm overwhelmed right. to where, you know, yeah. So that's how, that's how it is with God. He wants yeah. us to be And there is him. also, I think, the element of even receptivity is a habit. And so it's it's like the person who's learning to swim. I don't know if you guys remember learning to swim, but I hated swim lessons because they're like, I'm I'm not drowning right now. Why are you telling me that my arms aren't right? Like, I'm, I'm clearly not drowning. Uh-huh. But they're saying, no, you got to do the stroke like this and turn your head like that. And there's a certain point at which it stops being a struggle and it becomes... I'm swimming. It's just mm-hmm. I'm just I'm swimming. So that's also true in the in the life of grace, I think. In the life of receptivity to grace. I don't think it's true in the life of grace in the sense that the grace is always there. God's pursuit of us is always much more than our pursuit of him. But but that but the habit of receptivity becomes at a certain point, oh, I know how to receive him now. And then then you start having temptations and even in the moment of temptation the habit of receptivity will get you through it. You'll be like, God, I, I can't do this. I, you're going to have to help me through this. I literally hate the person in front in the line in front of me who can't find their checkbook. You know, like, right. like, but then God gets you through it because you've practiced the habit of receptivity. Beautiful. Uh, Cy, thanks so much for hanging out with us. We're out of time on the radio, but we'll continue on the podcast. So you can go to CatholicManShow.com to check out this full episode. Go to Patreon.com slash The Catholic Man Show to support. Check out Cy's book. Oh, why, 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 Teacher where is of it? Strange Things. Why did you mention that? Shop.catholic.com. Super one. $16.99. $95. $95. $95. Oh, it's on, a deal. Man. Four cents off. What a deal. Uh, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. My coffee mug. Uh, mine's empty, but I'll raise it. Yeah. Oh no, it's not. Look at that. It's a miracle. <laughs> just keeps it just keeps coming. This is like that oil jar. Okay, so let me let's pivot. I want to pivot because I want to ask you a couple questions about um, just weird things that you hear on the radio. Okay. Because um, I don't get a chance to listen to Catholic Answers every day any longer. Uh, so um, I know your commute's also like three minutes. Yeah. Like basically three decades. You can get three decades if I'm walking. Oh, if you walk. If I'm walking, uh, I can get through. Oh, really? It, it's that quick to walk? That quick? Wow. I love that you can also, as a Catholic, hey, how far is it? Oh, it's about three decades. That's why it's like, you know? yeah. Well, you, you, I knew exactly what he was talking. That's you know, I've said that before. Well, you want at least a twenty-minute commute. You can get your rosary in. I mean, yeah. Although I can't because I look at something and I'm like, fifteen minutes later. Oh, I was on the second beat of the first. <laughs> no, what I do, what I do is I look at something and then realize like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah. Well, got my rosary done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pretty holy guy. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I do know that be, just being on air, you never know, and being live especially, you right. never know what you're going to uh, get. You never, like last night when we had uh, our, our, um, fundraiser right. for, for radio like we have a live q a session so you never know no. what they're going to ask and how how they're going to uh 
respond to the answer. So what are some of the things that really caught you off guard um, when, when taking on a call? Um, I, I think one of them I kind of mentioned last night. One of the things that actually takes me off guard is how uh, committed some people are to an absolutist kind of relativism. I know that's a that makes no sense, but you know, like they are true relativists. So you almost can't have a conversation with them. It's amazing to me that you you can't. There there are people that are so steeped in this relativism that any kind of back and forth becomes just pointless. And it's very upsetting. Like, you know, the, the, this round and around about, well, you know, that everything, I told the story last night about the person who, you know, we asked this woman who was very, very pro-choice if it was wrong for the Nazis to kill Jews. And she said, well, not wrong from their perspective. But we were like, but that's, that's not the question we're asking. We're at, like, in an absolute sense, was it wrong? And she never got there. It's not, it's not, there's no point at which the person goes, well, yeah, clearly it's wrong to kill Jews. Like there's people that you can never get there with. I mean, like Hitler is obviously like in our society, Hitler is viewed as like the worst person that there is. And so if you can't, if you can't even say like, yeah, that guy sucked. Yeah, yeah, right. That was bad. That guy was totally the worst. But no, but she's trying to argue with us. Well, you have to see it from his perspective. And I'm like, I feel like <laughs> no, no, I actually no, don't thank, have to see no, it. No, thank from, you. <laughs> like, like I, I'm one of those weird people who actually read Mein Kampf. That is a book of idiocy. You'd have to be an idiot to write a book like that. Really? It's moron. Like, I thought it was going to be like, you know, have some mesmerizing. I was like, this is the stupidest drivel. And, but... So I don't really need to hear. I mean, of course, anymore. you don't speak German, so that's probably. <laughs> that's, oh, is that what it was? So what? It, <laughs> it's just totally incomprehensible. Like, yeah, like I could. Does this? This guy can't even spell. Right. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like he's shouting though. From the yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. The book is really loud, but spelled poorly. I, I find that the 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 weirdest thing of. Like, where did you go to college? Like, the, you know that the, it's taken years of education for the person to become that much of a relativist because it's yeah. unnatural. Mm-hmm. It's right. not. It's not natural to be a relativist. I think right. it's. I, I do think it's a self defense mechanism for a lot of people. Not for not maybe for everybody, but yeah, okay. you know, like there are things that they need to rationalize in their past or just behaviors. Or you're walking them down a logical committed like, to because yeah, yeah. obviously. I mean, you should. There's. It's not like a. You don't need to make great arguments to get someone to agree that killing people is wrong. Yeah. I mean, like objectively. Right. I mean that. If you can't do that, then there's something wrong with your. You've you've mangled your own intellect. You know by. I think it's a self defense mechanism in a lot of cases where just. They're committed to a certain behavior and they've had to rationalize things and give up intellectual ground in order to make sense of these things in their life um mm-hmm. but you know like the relativist attitude makes virtue absolute there is no virtue in a relativist ad, uh mindset i mean can you think of any virtuous act if everything is relative of then, not. No, then nothing th- there is, is value. tolerance the, yeah I mean, maybe from but your even, perspective. Yeah, but yeah. not from Hitler's yeah. perspective. Yeah, not from Hitler's perspective, you <laughs> see? Yeah. I found him to be quite intolerant. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if yeah. I know the whole story, but to me, he seemed quite intolerant. I mean, uh, one thing it's I'll true. tell you, he could not handle milk. Okay, I mean, it's like that was a severe intolerance that he yeah. has. Well done, thank you, David. <laughs> well done, lactose intolerant. Hitler was lactose intolerant. I mean, that's where you went. He was. <laughs> I mean, that's how intolerant he was. <laughs> right. Maybe yeah. that's why. How he handled maybe gluten. that's why he hated people so much. He was like, <laughs> yeah. "I am so intolerant." <laughs> I see you drinking milk. <laughs> I can't do it. I hate you. Yeah. He's just mad that they could drink milk and he couldn't. Yeah. All right. And he started yelling. Started yelling stuff out. And people followed him. Yeah. Boy, world yeah. history with David Nines. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I do think you're right, though, Dave. I, th- I do think when somebody sees a logic, like you be- you're being walked to a logical conclusion. Yeah. Then you- the defenses go up. I think you're right. About yeah. That. Yeah. And especially when you see someone, you know, like. When you, you're having just a calm, rational argument, and all of a sudden they're getting emotional, to yeah. me that's a cycle. Mm-hmm. That's a, a trigger. That it's a psychological reaction to their rationalizations being confronted. I, I I think that that's right, but I have to say one of my problems in life is moderating my own emotions when people say certain things. Like um, there's this. I don't know if you know about this, but there was this archaeological discovery that. There were no camels in Israel in the time of Abraham. And so the, the Genesis stories in which Abraham has camels, people say, see, the Bible is not true. And then they get really smug about it. And they, they actually, um, one of the characters on this TV show, um, um, what's the one with the scientists? Um, uh, the Big Bang Theory. Oh, uh-huh. He explains to someone that, the Bible's not true because of the camels. And I and then this stuff seeps in to the culture and people, oh, that, that Bible is just a bunch of, Well, it's a stupid story. First of all, just because you didn't find a camel bone doesn't mean Abraham didn't have a camel. Like Abraham's camel could well have just, you know, decomposed completely. And, right. But then there's also... Or also, even he might have brought it from somewhere else. Well, that's, you the, know, that's like, the other point. He's not from here. He's from where they had camels. Like, uh-huh. so... But also... This is not evidence. This is just a okay. So the it, the society of the Levant doesn't have camels until after the time of Abraham. That's an interesting fact. That says nothing about the like if to an honest. So I actually, when you say your emotions get up, that's a defense mechanism. I my emotions get really up at those times. So I I'm sympathetic to the person who's like that does happen to me too sometimes. Yeah, like, like, but mostly it's like the thing that you're saying is so, like. I get frustrated with their obstinacy. Yeah. You know, like you yeah. won't even. Yeah. I hate that because I think my feeling is there's like millions of teenagers watching this TV show right now. And yeah. you're at this moment, one more notch in their distrust of the word of God, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I don't have to say word of God. I can say Bible to them because they don't believe it's the word of God. But. Oh, yeah. And that, then my wife would be like, it's a TV show. Why are you so upset? I'm like, where are my keys? <laughs> <laughs> It's not where I put them. That is not where That's I put not them. Where I left them. You know I didn't put them there. <laughs> um, Why are you getting so upset? Because, because <laughs> Abraham had camels. Okay. <laughs> uh, anything else you got? No. It's always a pleasure to have you no. on side. Thanks so much for hanging out yeah, with I feel, us. I feel like you guys are very tolerant of me. I feel like you have so many really with it people, and then I just kind of make smart ass remarks. I feel like you guys are very tolerant of me. Thank you. Well, that's because well, uh, that's, that's it, what it's Advent. Yeah, oh, penitential oh, season. Yeah, so. Oh, gosh, 
being Advent. So. Very holy. Man. Yeah, we're just trying to like really grow in holiness and yeah. stuff. I told you, you know, I've been working on trilocating. I'm pretty I, close. Yeah. Yeah. Are you? You're up to one, right? Well, obviously, I can bilocate. Oh, you can bilocate. Right. Obviously. Yeah. But actually, you know, bilocation is not possible. Oh. That's what St. Thomas Aquinas said. Well, he's maybe he was jealous. <laughs> <laughs> he said nothing about trilocating. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Man, you got me there. I'm just not a philosopher of your level. Right. I mean, it's like, can a triangle have two sides? No, it's not of possible. Of course not. That doesn't mean tri- triangle can't have three sides. Oh my gosh! That's uh, a airtight, airtight argument right there. I didn't there. even realize that argument level, is airtight. That is airtight. That's exactly yeah, that is. Bring airtight. us on the show. Bring us on Catholic yeah. Answers. Well, I I, I, think, I think I might be a mystic. I heard him say something about triangles, and then it's like, I think I'm floating. <laughs> I know, right? Like Padre Pio, like yeah. Didn't he go up in the sky? That's why everyone told you to just see me kind of do this. Bombers away. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. So uh, I have, I had kind of a debate about this with my wife recently. Was that because until recently I didn't know that like levitation was something that was common between many saints. I thought like, oh, that's Saint Joseph Cupertino's right. thing. No, it turns out he did it long distance. That's why. Right. Yeah, and, like and far. There's a yeah. lot of them yeah, who, who have been able to do that, uh, which I had no idea. And she said, well, Saint Padre Pio did it, and it's like, okay. I'm not sure. I don't think that he was float. I don't think he was flying. I think it was more something of bilocate. Because I doubt he's like chilling down on the ground. And then he's like, hey, guys. See ya. I got to go. Bombers. S- yeah. I got to go somewhere, you know, and yeah. like put his hand up like Superman. It's like, I'll be back. I have. I feel like he probably more appeared in the sky. That's what Thomas would say about bilocating is that bilocating is actually. The person is physically in one place and appearing in the other place. So it's not actually the physical person who's in the other place. I wonder why he, like... Had to bring that up. Yeah, like... Why wonder, Thomas did? I wonder why... What? I'll have to go... Is it in the Summa? Do you know where it is? No. I don't know. I know Father Hugh told me. It. I can we, Google it. I have this... I have the Google. I can look it up. But, yeah, it's, I'd be interested to know why he made that distinction. Thomas did a lot, of, a lot of interesting things. And, like, a lot of times it's like, why are you doing that? And then I read it's like... Oh well, yeah, but oh. always the, the the thing is, so much of it comes back to he's he's holding some truth about Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and the, and you gotta all these other things have to be true in order for this to be true about. So you know, like the the quantity of the body of Jesus Christ is in an actual place, and it's always in an actual place because right. it's an actual body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, how do you explain the Eucharist if the quantity of his body is not there in the Eucharist, but the substance is? Well. Thomas can explain that, but I don't go, think go read this summa. But the but the point is, Jesus is actually somewhere, and 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 you, you he's not like you're not chewing on him and like cracking his bones when you're eating the Eucharist, and that so Thomas has talks about how a body can only be in one place at one time; it cannot be in two places at one time. Quick quick story mm-hmm. to end on that. Today we were in mass in the, in the morning, and when they're doing their consecration. I go to my son, my, my four-year-old, there's Jesus in the, and he looks looking at Jesus and then father breaks it. And he, and he looks at me and tells me, well, Jesus just got brought in half. <laughs> so 
So things aren't, today's not a good day, you know. <laughs> Jesus just got broken in. One time my wife and my kids got back from mass and I said, how was mass? And my little, my daughter Mary, she's like, good. And I said, was Jesus there? And she goes, yeah, mom ate him. <laughs> she's like that. <laughs> I was a little shocked, but <laughs> you just for her. bit rid it right into him. Yeah. <laughs> But with the body thing, okay, so like, let, you know, Mary, she appears. Uh, she's She was assumed into heaven, body and soul. Right. So when she appears, my, my presumption is not just an allocution, you know, it's not just like a, a vision or like a, you know, a ghost, but that she's actually there appearing. Uh, maybe she is, maybe she isn't. But that's just like, let's just say she is. Yeah. Well, she's also outside of time at this point, and so... Well, is you, she... Oh, she's in heaven, right? Yeah, but heaven has time. It's a different time. Yeah. She's not linear. I mean, like, couldn't she appear to the apostles? Like, maybe maybe the glorified body of Mary appeared to the apostles before she died, right? But it wasn't Mary in her current state appearing, but it was the future glorified version of Mary coming back, like... Well, Mary, there is actually one Marian apparition when yeah, like she was still alive on the pillar or something the, or? out in uh, in in um, James. Spain to comfort James. James. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, what was that? Was it a vision? I mean, was it one of the, like a Padre Pio with the airplane? Like, I don't right. think we know. I, I really don't think anybody knows. But Jimmy what, Aiken does. What's possible? Certainly possible is sh- Mary can physically be here and. Then physically be there in or Spain, or at least appear, uh, or the, another. But that's a different possibility. It's mm-hmm. also possible she's still physically present here, wherever she was, Ephesus maybe, and she appears to James in in um, uh, Spain. Spain or wherever he was. Or um, another possibility is that the Holy Spirit just enlightens the mind of James to make his mind aware of Mary, who's all still over here. And, mm-hmm. I mean, who, who knows what it is? But I think uh, my sense is that in some, like when she meets with Bernadette, for example, uh, like don't you get the sense that she was physically there? I mean, I, that's how I, I do. Yeah, I, I do. But I mean, lots of people have an experience of Mary that's clearly not Mary physically. Right. Present. Right. So different levels for, I would think. But I don't think the glorified body, I really don't think, David, that the glorified body of Mary can go back in time and appear to the apostles. Interesting. That would... So in heaven, is yes. she like moving along at the same speed as us in time? Because I didn't think that she was. No, but the, uh, the, I think time... I mean, this is probably the true Catholic answer. Yes and no. You know, like, uh-huh. I think mm-hmm. yes and no. Like, we don't understand what time is like in heaven. But there because she has a physical body and Jesus has a physical body, there has to always be potency and act. And as long as there's potency and act, there's time because the only way that potency can become act is time is cross time. So, I mean, I don't know what that time is like, right? I don't even know like how many dimensions they live in. I don't know how many like dimensionally Jesus has a dimensional body. Is it three dimensional, 20 dimensional? I don't know. Like, we don't know that. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. To me, I've just always thought of her as being like, oh yeah, I mean, she's kind of got like a bigger, like a bigger wide angle lens on the whole timeline at this point. And oh well, so that's certainly true. And now yeah. she could like, yeah, like what like Mark Brumley said to me one day. He said, you know, like Peter died, and 
and, and then uh, Peter is aware of us today. But did 2,000 years pass between, for Peter, did 2,000 years pass between when he died and his awareness of us today? Probably not. Like, it doesn't, like, and, and Peter, of course, is, I, I don't know about his bodily reality right, right now. Right, sure. But it would seem that, at least by the usual teaching of the church, that he is, is incorporeal at the moment. Uh-huh. But the experience of time for Peter is, uh, who knows? Who knows mm-hmm. what that is like? We'll but, find out someday. Yeah. Hopefully. God willing. I think we might find out. Well, no, I don't know about that. I was going to say we might find out even if we go to hell, but probably not, actually. That might. I don't, I don't even know what it's going to. You probably just aren't even aware of things as much in hell, like other than your hope. own misery. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't. Hell's I don't even want to. I don't I mean, to, want to know about that, actually. Yeah, because obviously you still have some goods in hell. You still being is a good, right? Existing. Well, which yeah. goods do you have? Do you have the good of knowledge? Do you have? I mean, at least a little bit, because you know that you're made. You're made for the for God, and you don't get Him. Yeah. Right. You have to, because otherwise you wouldn't be able to suffer very much. You right. know. But what form does that knowledge take? I mean, yeah. we can know things and still be very confused and disoriented. And I mean, look at me. Would, <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> All right. Oh, oh, you want to end on that note? Yeah, I have said I like three good, things in the last 20 good, minutes. Good place to end. You, wanna... stuff. You, say, oh, you, always, you usually just settle the thing. Why, did, that's why, why didn't you settle it? <laughs> no, that's fine. Let's end. Yeah. Do you ha- Adam, do you have anything else to say? I have, I'd like to invite you to say something I have, else. I have, have nothing else. Side things for being with us. Thank you very, very much. <laughs>